Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to English Revision Pod. I am here as ever with my good friend Mr. Forster, and today we are going to be giving you an example of a language paper one question three. Are you excited about that? Yeah, this is AQA, just in case we, did, in case we didn't clarify it. Uh, okay, we definitely didn't clarify. Uh, so thank you for uh, thank you for jumping in with that. Uh, if you did not listen to our previous episode, I would recommend that you go back and listen to that episode first. The reason being, we are dealing uh, with exactly the same extract in this episode, and in the last episode, we gave a lot of um, context about that episode and some general advice. So it would be a good idea to go back and listen to that first. As today, we're going to get quite quickly into the question, I think. Is that the plan, sir? Yeah, so we'll talk briefly about question three as a start. And obviously, please do bear in mind any exam-specific advice like timings that we give. I would always suggest that you follow what your teacher says first. All of our advice in our revision packs and what we say, um, what we don't want to do is undermine something your teacher said. But um, please do follow that. The main thing that, that you need to listen to from our settings is, is the approaches to the question how to structure an answer, what to analyse, and top tips for answering it. But if there are any exam technique things, I know some teachers do suggest different approaches to, to the questions. This is very true. And the main reason we set up this podcast was to undermine... Uh, the, no, no, I'm joking, of course. We, we don't want to do that. So one thing I would say, though, is the more you practice, you might actually get a feel for it yourself. So your teacher will definitely give you ideas on how long to spend on each question. But what you might find is that actually I'm, I'm really confident with question two, but I struggle with question three or vice versa. So it might be that when you get to the exam, you have practiced enough that you kind of know yourself yeah. where you need to maybe give yourself a little bit of extra time on one question and you sacrifice a little bit of time on another question. But, but that's, that's a very personal thing, I would yeah. say. And, and also, you, you've you got might... to be aware of the, the number of marks per question. That's obviously crucial. Absolutely. Don't do that classic thing where you get really stuck on one of the eight mark questions and you think, oh, no, it's not good enough yet. And you spend ages trying to get yourself one or two extra marks on that question when you could have been spending that time on one of the questions that has a lot more marks available what i always say is a good tip as well is write down some times on your paper when you think you will absolutely move on from that question so if you sort of when you first get into the exam hall you could write down the points in time where you will think look no matter whether i'm happy with my answer or not if it gets to this point in time i'm dropping that question and i'm moving on to the next one yeah, and it's maybe not a point for now, but as I said on a previous podcast, that's why I generally suggest to start at um, start with the writing question, question five, before doing um, questions um, one to four. But that's maybe a discussion for another day. Mm, yeah, I disagree with that, but that is <laughs> that is a discussion for uh, for another day. But anyway, we're going to get onto question three today. So last 
last podcast, we introduced this extract from Life of Pi and we did a question two. As I said, if you've not listened to that yet, it would be a great idea to do so as it will give you a better understanding of the extract. But question three, Mr. Forster, is when students typically get least marks. It's the question that everybody struggles with the most. And it's also the question that asks you to look at the structure of an extract. Tell me in your own words, Mr. Forster, what are we being asked to do when we consider the structure of an extract? Yeah, I mean, again, having marked this paper for quite a few years, so many students confuse language and structure. And if you're talking, um, there is, of course, some crossover. It's a slightly artificial divide by the exam board. It's a little bit cheeky. I wouldn't divide them so so clearly into separate questions if I was setting the paper, but unfortunately we don't live in that utopia of Mr. Forster's exam papers. Um, so instead we're stuck in this fallen world. And what I was just is in our revision pack, there is some an extensive list of things you might want to look out for um, on structure, but at a basic level, do not overcomplicate it. Do not worry about the terminology too much for this question. What you need to focus on is where do things happen? What happens in that moment? And why does it happen there? And what's changed? So if you mm. changes in a, in a passage, where does where is there a focus? Where does the zoom? Where is there zooming in from the the broad to the narrow? Where's the, where are characters introduced? How are they introduced? Where there's a shift from the inside to the outside? Where's there a shift from action to thought? Where there's a shift between point of view? Anything where something changes um, is what you're really getting marks for here. So you're not analysing words, you're getting marked, marks for analysing where do things happen and why do they happen here. So examiners, my last kind of point as an examiner here is that I, things I always look for when I'm marking is, is words, is prepositional phrases like at the start, in the middle, at this point, later. Mm. These actually often signal a, um, a kind of the, the, the candidate's thinking really about the structure and not simply describing um, or analysing language. Absolutely. And you've used that magic word in your explanation there, shift, right? You are looking for shifts. You are looking for changes in focus. If you are a visual person, right, a lot of, I mean, everybody's brain works in a different way. Some people are very visual and they find it easy to kind of imagine um, the, the images of what they're reading. If you are that kind of person, then that should really help you with this part of the exam, because essentially what you're imagining is if this was a film, if this extract was turned into a film, at what point would the camera change? At what point would the angle change? At what point would we have a close up? At what point would everything zoom out and take in everything that's going on? And another brilliant thing to ask yourself is, why did that have to happen first, right? Students can often get to really good examples by considering, well, if that hadn't happened before, then the effect wouldn't have worked. Why did I need to know that thing before the writer told me that thing, okay? Why would it not have worked if I didn't know that thing? And that might unlock the, the key to some really good analysis here. Yeah. So, so Shall we... Yeah, before you, before you read the extract again, and we get you to pause it, just a brief word on the question itself. Um, the question tells you quite a lot, but the questions are always very, very similar, if not the same, on question three. is You now need to think about the whole of the source. Um, so you must consider the whole. So my first top tip is try and have a point about how it ends. Um, often people run out of time and don't do that. Um, you might want to consider that the extract comes at the end of a chapter. That could be a great for your final point, that actually, why does the chapter end in this way? Why, mm. where does it leave the reader at the end of the chapter? Um, the question says, how is the writer structure the text to interest you as a reader? Um, it's a bit of a trap question because interest you. If, you. if you start saying things like, 
Um, it begins by focusing on this and that interests me. That's not it. We've got to engage with the why. So what in particular interests us about this? What effect does it have? How does it link to the story, the character, the characterization, the themes? So mm. be aware the question itself is a bit of a trap on question three. And we've got to go a little bit beyond this idea of interesting you. Because um, conceivably a student could even quite honestly say, well, it didn't interest me. <laughs> you know, and that's not yeah, what they yeah. asked. And they would write it in that voice as well, which would be uh, which would be terrible, of course. So, a good thing to think as well is if you're writing about the ending, write about the beginning. How does the how does the end relate to the beginning of the extract? Did the thing that seemed like it was going to happen at the beginning end up happening, or was there something unexpected? Have you perhaps arrived back in the same place, but something has changed? Whenever considering the end, I would always say consider the end in relation to. The beginning because that's automatically you're making a structural point right you can't you can't avoid making a structural point if you're talking about how the beginning compares to the end so what we'd like you to do pause this episode now if you go into the description of the episode you will find the handout which has the full life of pi extract the questions and our notes on it what i would say is don't read our notes yet instead read the extract yourself and then either have a go at answering the question Or if you're not ready to answer the question yet, at least bullet point some ideas. And then when you press play again, we will talk you through how we would answer the question. So pause this episode, get the handout if you haven't already, and go and have a look through. Okay, welcome back. Right, Mr. Forster, shall we go through the interesting structural shifts that we have spotted and what we would say about them? Yeah. So you may not have time to write about all of these. And one thing I would always say, whenever I'm doing any question in an exam, I'm always looking at the time and I'm always adjusting my answer and cutting and adding bits depending on how much time I have left. So I'll reiterate the point I said before you read it, which is you absolutely must write about something from the beginning, something from the middle and something from the end. That's absolutely vital. So if you're running out of time, um, don't necessarily write every single detail that you noticed about the second paragraph if it stops you considering the piece as a whole and getting to the end. Yeah, absolutely. It is that thing about being selective. They use that word judicious in the mark scheme, don't they? And judicious basically means have you have you selected the best information to support your argument or have you just pulled out a few things that you thought were kind of good? So what does it begin with? I would say the initial focus, you might want to mention that it's a first person narrator. So we are sharing the experiences very closely with the narrator themselves. And I think the initial focus is on the writer's disbelief. Okay, that's the main thing that jumped out of me, jumped out at me, sorry, at the start of the extract was this idea that the narrator cannot believe, cannot really accept what is happening to them. Now, Once you've written that, do you think that continues to build or do you think that changes throughout the extract, Mr. Forster? Yeah, I mean, we get a we get a I mean, what becomes clear as the extract goes on is that this is potentially an unreliable narrator. That's a really useful word Mm. to use that we that that um, is a first person narrator. It's potentially unreliable. And we we see this building of tension and fear through the extract as we see things that the narrator can almost see but can't quite see. Um, we have lots of uh, lots of repetition of, of verb phrases, as we actually said, looking at question two, that are to do with things that they're not sure about. Um, uh, I thought I saw. I thought I heard. I thought yeah, I Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, that actually 
you the the narrator initially is separate from where they want to be i mean they don't want to be on the ship at all but considering they're on the ship they want to be with people who know what's going on they want to be with the people who have answers to this terrible situation but as you can see the writer has put our focus on things that can almost be seen and heard you know so the the interesting structural point is perhaps that the narrator is removed from the solution to the problem they are isolated they are separate the next thing I would focus on is the introduction of... I don't actually know how to pronounce the name of this animal. Is it Gawa? I don't know. Uh, okay, I thought that was a kind of thing you might have known. You've really let me down there, Mr. Forster. Uh, the introduction of that animal. What does? It's almost like the introduction of a new character, isn't it? Which is always a good thing to talk about. And what happens to the fear and the tension that's already there when this animal is introduced? Well, yeah, it becomes, as, as, we, as we talked about actually with question two, this is the crossover between language and structure. Uh, and structure. The focus on the animals here, and particularly um, the, this, this ox, is that this Indian wild ox, is that the, the animals here are kind of becoming a symbol of, of the, the fear of the crew, the fear of the boy, uh, the first person narrator. Yeah, I think so far, if we imagine the kind of line graph of the fear and the tension, it's increasing, isn't it? We've got this line going upwards. First of all, we had the groaning of the ship and the separate from the people who could help him. And now the sight of this wild animal continues to build the tension. So what do you, what you want to show the examiner is that you understand that this is the same feeling is building and becoming greater. The tension and the fear are getting worse and the introduction of the animal structurally serves to increase the tension the fear and the chaos and show you how everyone is feeling but crucially i think then the mood dramatically changes when at what point mr forster is the fear the tension the panic when is all that kind of shattered yeah so um what what do you mean by shattered there because i'm not sure that's the word i'd well, what I mean is that there seems to be a saviour, right? It seems to be that, that what all this terrible stuff is going on, but then for a moment, we, the tension is sort of is broken because we believe that our character has found the people he needs to find, right? Yeah, I mean, a phrase you could use is this kind of false equilibrium. So an equilibrium is, um, so disequilibrium is when there's tension, equilibrium is a lack of tension, and a false equilibrium is what we get here because he sees, of course, some officers on the bridge. He thinks he's going to be saved. He thinks they're going to help him. But of course, what really happens is, um, well, he's thrown into the water. He's thrown overboard. So we get this really nice structural device that the writer employs where they, they give us a kind of false sense of security just for a moment the writer almost is encourages us to relax and you think oh thank goodness he's found the people who need who can help him he's found the people who are going to save him from this terrible situation but then of course as you say it's a false equilibrium i wrote false dawn in my notes but yeah false equilibrium is very nice and going back to what i said at the start of the podcast ask yourself why why did i have to know that thing before i knew this thing because if you think about it, the moment he's thrown overboard is so shocking because you believe that those people were going to help him. Now, if the writer hadn't done that first, that moment wouldn't have been so shocking. Do you see what I mean, Mr. Forster? That's a classic example of asking yourself, why did I need to know that thing before 
I knew that thing. Does yeah. that make sense? I think another thing we could kind of talk about here is the claustrophobia of the rest of the passage. He talks about in the first paragraph the stars vanishing into watery darkness. This kind of panoptic, zoomed-out vision of the universe represented by the stars disappears, and he's in the, the bowels, the depths of the ship. But he makes it up to the bridge towards the end. So he makes it to the top of the ship. He makes it to sailors who he thinks are going to help him. So the the the, the narrative perspective is and the position of the narrator all seem to suggest this this false equilibrium, all seem to suggest that this tension is dissipating. But as we learn by the end, it is this false equilibrium that um, actually he's not reached safe, safety at all. He's just being thrust into the water. Absolutely. And then you um, can do your whole thing we were talking about of linking the beginning to the end, because the, the interesting structural point there might be that he has the thing that he feared at the start of the extract of him ending up in the water has absolutely happened. You know, he, this, the, his ultimate fear would be that the ship goes down and that he ends up in the water drowning. And the interesting thing you can say about the cliffhanger ending, of course, is that he has ended up in the water, but perhaps in a completely different and more shocking way to what we would have expected. Yeah, and I think that's the final point, really, that this is the end of a chapter and we're left there with our protagonists um, falling, you know, it's a, they cla- um, into the water, unsure of their fate. And this is, of course, the this is the catalyst that brings about the rest of the story. The rest of the story is, of course, um, uh, the, the, the boy um, Pissim, um in a lifeboat with a tiger, which you wouldn't necessarily know in the exam. But this is so you can talk about the fact that it's an end of a chapter. This is it's left us with this waiting for the rest of the story to unfold. Absolutely. Right. We hope you enjoyed joining us today for GCSE English Revision Pod. We will be back with another episode where we talk about question four with regards to this um, to this life of pie extract. Uh, again, many thanks to the teacher who created this resource. Apologies. I can't remember who it was that I got it from, but it is a fantastic resource. So if you're listening, thank you very much for um, for creating that. Uh, Mr. Forster, how can our listeners connect with us should they wish to? Um, you can follow us on Twitter um, at G Revision Pod, or you can email us at EnglishRevisionPod. Um, dot is it com or uk? I always forget. We'll put it in the in the details. Yeah, I always forget. I rely on you for the email address, but um, as it, that was that was, I'm sure listeners can find us anyway. But yeah, please let us know how you're getting on, and um, if you're finding these podcasts useful, we are trying our best. It's um, it's always. I always feel really guilty when people email us and ask us to record episodes and then we can't do it. But obviously we are, um, we are doing our best and we will get as many episodes out to you as we can over the coming weeks and months. And we will see you next time on GCSE English Revision Pod. Have a great day. Bye.